United versus the A-League All-Stars 11, which is not an oxymoron, apparently. The question is, how many different positions will Big Emil play in? This is very true, yeah, and enough about Ryan Giggs' love life. Oh, dear. It will only cost you £229 with Thomas Cook's sport, official travel partner of Manchester United, to see United versus the A-League All-Stars. And and that's not including the flight, that's just the game. £229 to watch United play a bunch of cloggers from Australia. Uh, that's good. Yeah, it seems completely excellent value. I don't see why that's that should be any problem whatsoever. Interesting that we're playing a, a singer All-Star 11. The Cobra All-Star 11 were busy being an anti-terrorism task force in the UK. It's almost as if David Cameron doesn't know that singer is the official beer of Manchester United. How could he not know? Yeah. I mean, United should be able to win that game because obviously the singer All-Star 11 will be somewhat inebriated. It's in, it's in the contract. For one second, I thought it was like a Monty Python thing, you know, the Philosopher's Eleven. Yeah, I thought it was it. A, a. I thought it was a singer's All Star Eleven. So, like, you know, Elton John and Paul McCartney would be in there, have Adele up front. Actually, I was going to say before all that craziness, I look back at the football, but the actual football proper competitive league fixture was not much less insane than us playing a team of international singing sensations, was it? Yeah, I mean, United were definitely on the beach a week early, weren't they? It's uh, utterly crazy. And we started like a house on fire, 3-0 up within half an hour, and, and then back to 3-2, and then 5-2, and then 5 all. And I'm not quite sure what was going on. I don't think Fergie could make head nor tail of it either. No, I mean, 5 all is such an insane, insane scoreline. I, I like the fact that it's basically the only scoreline they could work out that Fergie hadn't had at some point during his managerial reign. I went to uh, the ground. I, I sadly, my vain hope of getting a ticket was uh, dashed on the rocks pretty much the second that Sir Alex announced that he was going to go. But I went, had a walk around the ground, and so I went and bought, bought a few programmes as presents and one to give away on the show. Couldn't believe what I was seeing. Although at 3-0, I was fairly confident that whatever happened in that game, we were going to be pretty terrible in the second half. Yes, I mean, it is, does fit a pattern, right? Not a lot of surprise, although a lot of surprise at the scoreline. Not a lot of surprise that United weren't brilliant in the second half because, uh, frankly, that's been the pattern of the season and particularly uh, since the title was wrapped up and uh, I suppose also true since that game against Real Madrid. It seems a long time since United played well, doesn't it? Yeah, with the exception of the Villa game. With the exception of the Villa game and, uh, well, you know, I guess it's wrapped up the season and, and we can always look forward to next year and uh, we'll, we'll see whether Moyes can turn that particular uh, complacent streak around. You'd, you'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd think that uh, the players will be thinking about impressing and new manager and so on but you know that's for next season we don't need to worry about that one do we let's talk about West Brom and and the goals because uh, it was nice to see Shinji on the score sheet loved it didn't he scoring first up yeah uh, a a great team goal as well lovely work Um, pretty shocking marking from West Brom but we did return the favour in ample measure in the second half but yeah, I mean, United were absolutely brilliant. They were en fuego, you know. It was it was just one wonderful passing play move after another, wasn't it, for a bit there. Just goal after goal after goal. Shinji on the short score sheet. And the Sir Alex Ferguson legend own goal getting in on the action as well. Yeah, he's scored quite a few in those 1,500 games that Ferguson has taken part in. Bad Tom Cleverley scoring as well. He's what well, he's got a few this season, hasn't he? Uh, Alex Bootner. I can't say that he's really impressed anyone with uh, any of his play, except for in the bots. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think it's fair to say he hasn't impressed anyone with his play. I, I think it's fair to say he hasn't impressed too much when the ball's been in his half, but when the ball's in the opposition half, he looks deadly. I mean, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, I believe, but when, when you have a kind of attack-minded fullback, there is often the shout, oh, they should they should play as a wide midfielder or a winger. But I really, really think Alex Booner just appears to be a winger. Just, it's a very odd one. I know he's a converted from a winger, but it's weird, doesn't do a great job defensively. Although, bags of energy and, and as you say, bad Tom Cleverly. Bad Tom Cleverly, yeah. Before the game, we did our sort of semi-predictions last week. Actually, we didn't properly do a prediction last week on the podcast. And I said United were going to smash five past West Brom. I, uh, I uh, omitted to say that West Brom were going to smash five past United. But, you know, let's look. it's just a minor error. What's your five goals between friends? 
And in the week that I reviewed my predictions, I can, at the beginning of every season, I put up a piece saying, Rants, predictions for the season. I predict the top 10 in the Premier League, uh, United's performance in the various cups, players of the season, and so on. You know, How many do you think I got right this year? Out of about 20 categories. I believe the answer was one. I believe you got one, two. I got two. Oh, sorry, I sold you short there. Well done. That's impressive. It is. With the Champions League to come, and I predicted Bayern would be runners-up. So, come on, Dortmund, I can get there. Three, yes. My, my favourite thing about those predictions is what we really have learned over the last two seasons. You're good at a lot of things, Ed. You're a very talented young man. Many, many skills. One thing that you are really, really, really terrible at is predicting where Newcastle United will finish in the league. In particular, last season, I believe you had them finishing last... And I think they finished about, what, 6th or 7th. This season you had them finishing 6th, and they, of course, finished uh, much closer to the relegation zone than that. Yeah, they're a mystery wrapped in an enigma. (laughs) Wrapped in Alan Pardew. I'll, uh, I'll keep Newcastle out of all predictions from now on, I think. Yeah, not not very good performance. I, I got the whole top 10 wrong, although that is particularly difficult, picking the top 10 in each of their positions. It is, because if you get, as soon as you get one wrong, that means you've got two wrong, as it were. Indeed. So anyway, back to the game and Van Persie got on of the score course. sheet. Of course, you'd expect him now over 30 Great. goals for the season. Great return for United. I mean, you know, couldn't really ask for any more, I don't think. Mm. £24 million, very well spent in Fergie's last season. And, and uh, Chicharito, that's nice. Let's hope he's back next season. Robin wrapped up the golden boot. He said it should be, you know, 22 or 28 little tiny golden boots shared amongst the team because goals belong to the team, not the player that scores them. Uh, He's always on a PR mission. Come on. I'm getting a bit fed up for this. I want a bit more Robin arrogance. (laughs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I want him doing a Gareth Bale and running towards the camera going, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, he sort of did that a few times about midway through the season, but he was punished by the gods of football for his hubris with a 12-game barren spell or whatever it was, but he regained his humility and started banging him in from 60 yards with a back heel or whatever. He's just basically a magician, isn't he? It was interesting that Shinji Kagawa scored, and it got me thinking about Shinji's season as a whole. If you remember, we had the closest thing we ever get to an actual footballing argument about his performance against Everton. No, we didn't. Didn't we? <laughs> just <laughs> didn't see where you were going with that. I'm just way ahead of you. Oh, oh, oh yes, we did. Where you said, you know, if his performances are like that in a year's time, I think we can say that'll be a bit of a disappointment. Actually, I have to say, it now seems like the golden age of Shinji Kago at Man United because he was playing in his proper position and he had a pretty good game in that game. And actually, Klopp giving an interview this week saying he's one of the best players in the world. He's playing 20 minutes on the left wing for Man United. It's It breaks his heart. I know, a fantastic interview in the Guardian there, of you, except for the last, the last line which plugs his particular sponsor. But I guess that is the way of the world with uh, getting interviews these days. But great interview by Don McRae in the Guardian, if you haven't seen it, with Jurgen Klopp. He's a real character. And, you know, I think I said on Twitter, I don't know whether United would be more successful with Moyes or Klopp. Really hard to tell. But I know it'd be more fun. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's definitely a personality, and uh, there were so many quotes in that piece, but particularly about Shinji, I think. And uh, he's got look, he's got a point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kagawa's very rarely played in his proper position over the course of the season, you know. And, and I think we said on the pod last week, it's, it's a little hard to see him doing that next season because it's not exactly how Moyes sets up his teams. Now, maybe it's different when he's got more talented players at his disposal. So we'll, we'll see that about that one. But uh, I think when the uh, the manager of the you know two times Bundesliga winners and, and now Champions League finalists says that you're playing the player in the wrong position. You should probably listen. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, all in all, a completely crazy game. And, you know, by the end of it, I was laughing. Some people were annoyed. I just feel like, come on, it's a sunny day. Sir Alex's last game in charge. You might as well enjoy the insanity of it. My MP, Tom Watson, he took his son to his first ever football match and that was it. And I just think it's all downhill from here, kid. You are almost certainly never going to see your team come back from 5-2 to draw 5-all with Man United again. Well, it was United's first 5-all draw since 1895. Don't know about you, but I wasn't at that game. Me neither. He was a, he was a record smasher, that Sir Alex, wasn't he? So it certainly was. Uh, I, I guess a word for Lukaku as well, hat-trick on the day. 
He's had a fine season, hasn't he, on loan at West Brom from Chelsea. Be interesting to see what Chelsea do with him. You know, got a new manager coming in. Can't see him really getting an opportunity at Chelsea because I think they'll they'll spend money this summer on a new striker, a big name striker, and uh, so you know maybe it'll be better for Lukaku to move on. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean. If you were Chelsea manager, wouldn't you be tempted to take a punt on making him a bit of a main man? I mean, I know it's 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 not necessarily directly transferable, leading the line at West Brom to smashing it in the Champions League, but, you know, he looks to have an incredible amount of potential. Yeah, on the bench, Adnan Janazej. Good reward for a fine performance, under-21 player of the season, of course, or reserve player of the season. He looks like a real talent. He's a he's a lad that uh, is still developing his position. I think you know he's kind of utility attacker at the moment. We'll see where he goes. And he could end up on the wing or in an attacking midfield space. And uh, and nice to see that. Plus a bunch of oldies, Gigs and Ferdinand on the bench. Ferdinand this week signing a new contract, which yeah. is very good news. I think and a, a sign of continuity. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to him and congratulations to all of us for getting to watch Rio at Centre Half. A remarkable season he's had given uh, he was written off in many quarters and I think he's in the team of the year, isn't he? Uh, in the PFA team of the year and uh, very well deserved. I, I've, I've loved watching Rio this season. Fergie said he needed to adapt his game and he's done exactly that and he's got his just rewards for that. David Moyes apparently signed off on that, which is just weird to think, isn't it? It is a big question, right? So what does he do with some of the players? Uh, Rio was a key one. Rooney's another key one. Rumours this week, of course, that Rooney might be off to Paris Saint-Germain in a £40 million deal. You can just see Rooney sitting on the Champs-Élysées, can't you? Smoking some gitans. Are they, lad? It's the Eiffel Tower. Doesn't exactly fit with his cultural habits, but, you know, hey, you never know. And uh, questions over the coaches and stuff like that. We still don't know what's happening to Mullenstein and Phelan and Warren Joyce and the rest of them. And, you know, look, it'll, it'll all play out in time, but I still got the feeling that there's a sense of uncertainty around the club, you know, what with four executives moving around and a bit of musical chairs in the ballroom and, and potentially some in the, in the backroom staff too. Anyway, you know, one, one step along the way to, to settling everything down, Rio's contract, and um, Moyes doesn't officially take over till July the 1st, does he? And, uh, and that only leaves him with six weeks to the start of the season, so I'm sure he'll actually be doing some work this week, in, including visiting the training ground, apparently. Yeah, he got permission from Everton and turned up. That's good, isn't it? He's keen, isn't he? And, and talking of the future of Manchester United, the inaugural Barclays Under-21 Premier League won by the little Babby Reds. And and in fine United style as well, coming back from 2-0 down to, to win 3-2. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really nice to see. And there's definitely some talent on that side, isn't there? There is, there is. I mean, I, I couldn't say I'd put my finger on any of them actually guaranteed to be United stars in the future, right? Uh, and thinking back, and maybe this is, you know, just kind of rose-tinted glasses, but thinking back to 92, I remember thinking a lot of them were guaranteed, and in fact they were, you know. Uh, and so it's a little bit different, but, but plenty of talent there, and some of them could make it. I mean, the, the thing about the class of 92 is it's just not fair to compare anyone else to them, is it? Because there's never been anything else like it, and United have had a consistent trickle of young players coming through and making themselves part of the first team since then but no one anywhere has had a burst of players like that since then. And and there's been so much talk about them because Beckham and Skulls are both retired and Sir Alex is gone, and in some ways they were his finest achievement, weren't they? And it's just, they were just a miraculous, it was just absolutely miraculous, that that, that side. And we, we really will never see the likes of that again. So uh, when young young teams are compared to that side, you just think, well, if they can achieve you know, a third of the success that, that that side had, then that'd be an incredibly successful young team, wouldn't it? Mm. Well, very true, yeah. And, I mean, I, I guess talking of youngsters, a, a couple played against West Brom. Actually, it wasn't a very young side, really, but Jones played at centre-half, and that was good to see for him, and cleverly had a game. He's not had much game time, has he, over the spring period? Big, big summer for him, you feel, you know? He should go away and make sure he's fit and focused and comes back in August ready to impress the manager. Yeah, absolutely, because we've got uh, the Rankcast Awards coming up late, later and a bit of a spoiler warning. One of them is Best Tom Cleverly Lookalike and we don't want next season it to be Best Alex Bootner look- Lookalike, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, we, we need the T-Clev's TC23 to come through on some of that potential. I think it's essential. Yeah, and another notable thing, I guess final notable thing from the West Brom game, Anderson finished the game. He's finished a whole bunch of games this season. I think he's finished 18 games this season or something. 
He really hasn't. That, Can't be that. Can no, it? no, he really has not. I think he's played 18 games this season. So yeah. uh, he's going to be off in the summer, and he will do that at the end of the show. Predictions of who's staying and who's going. But yeah, it was nice, to, nice to see him play, and, and once again put that down to Sir Alex Ferguson just really liking him. He, he tried to Fergie tried to shore it up by bringing Rio on, but he waited till it was five four. I think that it was you know the horse bolted, door open, you know all that stuff. Yeah, the horse had done a couple of laps around Aintree before <laughs> Fergie tried to shut the door, which is kind of worrying for Ferguson's next career, which is, you know, horse management of some kind. Plus, <laughs> plus he's got he's got his 20 days a year as an ambassador, for which, reportedly, he's getting 100k a day. Yeah, well, good, because, uh, you know, as you said, he's the probably in the world the person that's added the most value to an organisation for the percentage least reward of yes. that. So, yeah, give him 100k a day, why not? Yeah, although uh, this unsettles me a little bit. Not the money, because a couple of million pounds a year for, for Fergie's, you know, he'll be well worth it, because his job there is basically to be a lick spittle for the corporate sponsors that United have. So he'll be off in Malaysia, you know, prompting people to buy Mr Potato Savory Snacks, the official partner of United, and other, other such garbage, which seems a little bit of a downgrade, really. You know, he's a knight of the realm. He shouldn't be doing that. He should be lording it up in the Royal Box Somewhere. Oh, to be honest, Bobby's been doing it for a little while, hasn't he? Bobby's in the Turkish Airlines advert and stuff, so Knights of the Realm have been at this for a while. Yes, this is very true. Uh, Ferguson saying that he said to all the players, you can call me anything you like, but just you're not allowed to call me boss from now on. You've got a new boss, and brings a bit of a, oh, catches in the throat saying that, doesn't it? You know, he's, he's really going, it's really happening. It, it, it has happened. We've got an, we've got a new dad, Ed. New dad, David Moyes has come in, and yeah. he looks he looks a bit strict. I, I'm not sure I like new dad, David Moyes, but you know I'm open minded. We'll see. I'm totally open minded. Uh, you know, I see come firing out of the blocks next season, playing spectacular football and all of that stuff. You know, we'll all be happy, won't we? Yeah, and and if they don't, then we'll be patient. Well, he'll be a dour former Ginger Scott. You know, he's he's got some serious wrinkle problems. A very, very nice and definitely noteworthy from West Brom. I mean, ridiculous atmosphere in the way end. And 20 minutes of every one of us loves Alex Ferguson. And then a good at least 10 solid minutes of the new David Moyes chant. Uh, and that, that, was, that was brilliant. And it's very United-esque. It's, you know, somebody commented that Ferguson or oh, absolutely love hearing that. You know, United fans all singing David Moyes' chant. And pretty cool, I thought. Indeed. So, shall we look back on the season? Because it's been a very, it feels like it's been a very long season, doesn't it? You know, I remember back to our, well, we had a couple of uh, specials over the summer last year, didn't we? Uh, to do with the, the Euros football and, and all of that. Yeah. And then into the season, starting with that game at Everton. But it's, it's, it's been a long old one, but some highlights and some lowlights and certainly some memorable stuff. Oh, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the season, I don't think we hoped it would be this good. We had to record a special podcast after our first episode of the season, because uh, I believe in the first episode there's some fairly adamant discussion on how Robin Van Persie's not coming to United, and then we recorded a little special. Do you remember doing that? That, that seems like a really long time ago that we did that. It certainly does seem like a very long time ago, but yeah, another of my fine predictions there. If Robin Van Persie joins, I will eat my hat, I think was the cliched brag, but yeah, he did join. I saw some footage of Robin Van Persie playing for Arsenal at some point this week, and for a minute I was really confused, <laughs> like genuinely, not just saying that, but my brain just, it took a minute to compute what I was seeing, and then I realised how the world works again, but just just for one, he's definitely ours now, there's no, no question about that whatsoever, and that's really the defining characteristic of the close season, wasn't it, the, the, the signature of Van Persie, and so much of the seasons, so many of the seasons really profoundly, wonderfully memorable moments have been somewhat involving the Dutchman in one way or another. When I think back to this season in years to come, I will think back to him wheeling away in almost sort of disbelief and joy as he scores against uh, Manchester City and again wheeling away in relief and excitement as he blasts in that 30 yard league winning volley against Aston Villa yeah and of course the uh... 
the fine celebration and pose after he scored at West Ham, you know, and I think we'll talk about all those moments in a little bit, won't we? Yeah, I mean, I think it has, the focus has been on Robin Van Persie because he was a big acquisition and because he's said and done all the right things and he's had a very fine season indeed, you know, 30 goals is no mean feat for anyone, you know, even even if he came in as a highly experienced and expensive acquisition. So um, great stuff from Robin and, and he's just settled in at the club perfectly it's almost as if he could have been here forever but he he hasn't but it's you know he's an integral part of the team and and so much so that Wayne Rooney is no longer an integral part of the team and that's that's another measure of Van Persie's success I think some ambition there it seemed Wayne's taken in the neck a bit this week hasn't he basically as far as I can work out his people have been counter briefing the the press saying that he never handed in a transfer request Ah, yes, but this is the thing. He is not handing a formal transfer request. Now, now, tell me when players actually do that. Yeah, because that would be breaking the contract uh, loyalty clause. So they never do that because they, they want their loyalty bonus. So they want the payoff if they're going to go. He went to see Ferguson and he said, I want to leave. Oh, well, apparently so. That's a transfer request. <laughs> Might not be a formal transfer request, but I'm afraid we're not that stupid. No, and, and it is incredibly ironic that he basically said the last the last time he handed in the transfer request, it was he said publicly the club is not showing enough ambition. The club then bought two players who make his position completely redundant because they bought Kagawa to play in number ten and Van Persie to play at number nine, and that's it. You don't need Rooney anymore. And I mean, Rooney's a wonderful player. The, 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 at his best, he's phenomenal, but he has not been at his best very often this season. Sixteen goals, fifteen assists not bad the numbers are good yeah no I mean I think I said last week the numbers are good and he had that burst of goal scoring when Robin Van Persie wasn't scoring which was right at the right time but he didn't play very well nope. then you know I think I think 16 goals and 15 assists mask the fact that this I think has been Rooney's worst season for United you know the performances just haven't been good yeah absolutely and it, he's looked like his heart's not in it and lo and behold it turned out his heart wasn't in it Somebody somewhere doing some analysis saying that Carrick at the MUFC Awards said that you don't just play for Manchester United, you live for Manchester United, and Rooney is not a person who is going to live for Manchester United. Well, no, I mean, two transfer requests in three seasons tell you that is the case, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, look, look, look I don't want to get on a, a massive downer about Rooney, but no. I, I, I can't square this circle anymore. I just, I, to be honest, I just don't want him at the club. What's the point? He's not the player that he once was. He's not going to be the player he once was unless he's refocused. He doesn't appear that he wants to do that. You know, he's been clearly, patently unfit this season. He doesn't look after himself. His attitude isn't right. And uh, I think the club and player would benefit from him moving on. That's a real shame because his talent is magnificent. You know, he yeah. he should have been up there with Messi and Ronaldo. That's how good his natural talent is. And, it, and uh, when he burst onto the scene at 16, that's what you thought he was going to become you know one of the very best in the world and for a while he was you know he yeah. was right up there and the, the talk of him being in that kind of elite bracket of players was quite right it's absolutely right but he's let himself go and he's let himself down and you know and and if uh, United can't get any more out of him then he might as well go the, the the problem is of course you know there's very few options for club or player so you know that kind of limits what can happen there but for me if we're talking about some of the down points of the season that's the major down point Rooney's performance yeah, I mean, he was your prediction to be player of the season. I think he, he uh, maybe even top goal scorer as well, or I think we may have had some debate about that because of Van Persie, but certainly it was it was not unreasonable to think that that would happen. But there's no way he's not even in the discussion for player of the season. and Nowhere near it, really. He's not probably in the top five. Even with Kagawa joining the club, I thought Rooney would thrive in that slightly deeper position. I thought was that that was effectively the position he started his career in. I think he's he's natural there, but he didn't thrive in that position. He didn't thrive, and I think most of it's his own fault. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing for Rooney is also Sir Alex leaves. That sort of cracks a door ajar to him rebuilding his career at Manchester United under whoever comes next. And then it's David Moyes slams the door back shut straight mm. away. You know, oh, the bloke that sued me. You know, that's great. I've fallen out with old Fergie. He's finally shit slinging his hook. And oh, I'm left with the man that sued me over my book. So, you know, I think I think he's going to be Paris bound or Monaco bound or Chelsea bound. Mm. 
we had the conversation not six weeks ago where we were asked who's the best player at United and you answered Rooney without a second's hesitation and we don't really want him to end up at Chelsea I don't think because it'd be much better for United if he's not at Chelsea Mm. because if he I think he'll probably have a point to prove I suspect he'll regain some of the hunger from a move and he's pretty belligerent character and he's not going to enjoy what happens uh, in the wake of you know they're already getting him and his wife already getting tons of abuse from Neanderthal United fans on Twitter and stuff and just think you know he's he's going to want to prove a point so it'd be good if he goes somewhere else yeah you got to really stop abusing him Paul <laughs> yeah sorry about that yeah, well, look, while we're on some downers, because we're going to get to the good stuff with the Rantcast Awards, which all the players are waiting for, I know. Yep, yep, yep. Gathered, gathered round their wireless. Let's talk about some other low points, because I think the spectacular low point in midfield for United, you know, uh, one particular player aside, but the rest of them, it's been really poor. Nani, terrible season. Valencia, awful, except for actually, with some <laughs> irony, the last few games of the season. He was really good against West Brom Valencia. Worth pointing that out. I know, I know. He suddenly he's found the jet in his heels again. Young, terrible season. Awful. In central midfield, Anderson, terrible season. Cleverly, really disappointing. Cleverly, and and because he had he had you know four months of playing pretty well, I think, and then the spring, the important part of the season, he's just been a non-entity. Not not all his fault. I've got to say, you know, he's not really been given much of an opportunity to shine. But when he has played, he's not played well either. No, I mean, two things. One, I think worth saying that Anderson once again had a bright point before he got injured, but we all knew exactly what was coming because that's the exact cycle that, you know, he really was a really effective part of the side for a brief period of time this season. I mean, it was basically the month of November, if memory serves me right. Anderson was excellent, but then it ended with an injury and then the long, slow haul back to some sort of fitness. Cleverly, I mean, the room, this is this is rumour and speculation, but it's from pretty good sources that actually he, it has been his fault because the reason that he's been left out of the side is because Ferguson is not happy at all with his off-field behaviour and he's been left out of the side to send a sort of message that you, you can't go around behaving like this in order to, if you want to be a Man United regular and, and, and mainstay. Mm, yep, right, and David Moyes won't accept that either. No, and nor should he. No, nor should he. No, you're right. I mean, this is, you don't get paid the big bucks for nothing, right? It's no. to perform to be a professional sports person, and you, and you make massive sacrifices. You know? Yeah. All elite sports people make huge sacrifices, and, and unfortunately, with footballers, they, they get to the point sometimes in their lives that they stop wanting to make those sacrifices. Yeah, and and cleverly he's always had the kind of tendency you know, appointing the brand consultancy and he had the the model girlfriend and and all of that kind of stuff. So you know it's it's up to him. He's not a young guy anymore, actually. Nope, he's not. He's not a kid now. So he behaves like a professional and and works hard and makes sure he's a part of Manchester United or or he won't be. He's not brilliant enough to command a place without that. He's not Wayne Rooney. On the pitch, I think, you know, as you say, he had a really good first half of the season and it really started to... His worst, worst, worst performances were when he wasn't even played in central midfield and you, I don't think you can blame him too much for that. No, the one on the left wing that, that Ferguson had to go at him for as well, <laughs> which was I think was a it's bit pretty, harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, against Chelsea. I mean, come on. I, I don't think I've ever seen him play on the left wing, you know, except for perhaps a couple of occasions when he was very young. I've seen him play on the right. His best position, we're now pretty sure, is, is one of two in central midfield. I know we're talking about the things that have not been great, but it just shows you how incredible Michael Carrick's been, that he's been the only good midfielder, basically, for huge swathes of the season, and we've won the league by a million points or whatever. So another disappointment, Chris Smalling, and uh, that, again, not his fault, he's just spent this season injured. Yeah, absolutely. But this is two seasons in a row. He's missed much of the season through injury. This can't happen. If he wants to be a United defender, if he wants to be Rio's replacement or Vidic's replacement, then he's got to get himself fit. Again, Johnny Evans has had a number of injuries this season in and out of the side as a result. And and Phil Jones too. In fact, I guess the one the guy with the, the best fitness record this season is Rio Ferdinand. And that doesn't really compute, does it? No, I mean, it's wonderful in a way. It's a wonderful testament to what a professional he actually is. It's ridiculous, the level of Rio's professional well yeah i'm not sure you'd quite conclude that seeing his tweets from his his stag doing somewhere in the mediterranean this week but you know hey no absolutely fair enough it's he's he's allowed to it's the summer yeah well quite yeah 
for some of those are impact injuries and you can't read too much into them. It's not uncommon for players to have a couple of seasons early on in their career where they're really blighted by injury and then get it together. And look at Van Persie, played every single league game this season. If you'd said that about 24-year-old Robin Van Persie, that at this age that's what he was going to be doing, people would have laughed you out of the room, wouldn't they? So I, I don't think it's crisis point for any of those players, really. I mean, Phil Jones has come back really strong. Johnny Evans, when he when he's not been injured, has been absolutely masterful. I mean, early on in the season, he was our best defender by a mile uh, for, for a good period of the season and, you know, one of our main attacking threats as well. So I, I think it's, it's easy to, when you do season review stuff, it's really easy to focus on what is freshest in the memory or that's what happens to me anyway I kind of think about the season as having started in about February you know but actually if you look back on the first half of the season Evans was absolutely crucial wasn't he so I mean he's 25 now right so he's no no longer a kid he's no longer the the fresh new young thing he's a senior pro and he's had he's had a good season you know I think he's going to turn out to be a fine defender for United he's a notch below Vidic and Ferdinand at their best but then again most players are so the question is can United find the right balance in the years going forward to be as good in defence as as they have been in some seasons not this one highest amount of goals shipped since 2001 when they were actually paying attention to defending this season, they really were very good at it. It's just they decided it was profoundly secondary for large swathes of the first half of the season and then decided to ship another five for a laugh in the last game. And, of course, we, we say goodbye to a couple of players. So Scholes retires. I think we'll probably never say see Fletcher again. Ferguson said uh, uh, when saying goodbye a couple of weeks ago in the Swansea game, uh, I wish him a speedy recovery. Hmm, interesting that one, since he's pretty much been recovering for the last 18 months. But, you know, hey, I, I can't imagine we'll see him back playing for United anytime soon. But but I think they'll look to offer him a coaching role, maybe, or Ferguson certainly would have, whether Mini Fergie will or not, I don't know. I guess the final disappointment for me, Danny Welbeck. Not that his performances have been bad, because they haven't at all. You know, in, in some cases, he's performed really, really well. But he hasn't scored, and that's a bit of a problem for a striker. He's got two, I think, this season, hasn't he? And he's got to do better than that, surely. He's got two, you're right, but one of them was in the Bernabeu, so that counts at least five times. So I'm giving him six goals for the season. Anderson has got two goals, and so has Butner, and so, and Raphael's got three, and Everett's got four. Yeah, yeah, you're right, all right, but whatever, it's Danny Welbeck. I refuse to apply regular, uh, normal human rules to how I feel about Danny Welbeck. Listen, he definitely, definitely needs to improve his clinicalness because it's crazy that he's only got two goals. And also, one of the reasons it's particularly crazy is because there's no way the sum total of his positive impact on United this season can be weighed up in those two goals because he's done an incredibly important job in some really big games and he was our best player against Real Madrid. And that's not to be underrated as a contribution. But I don't really want to say this, but I guess you do have to accept that two goals is not enough, even for Danny Welbeck. No, it's really, it's really not. I'm not having Danny Welbeck as being one of the low points of the season, though. That that I'm not having. Let's let's be clear. I said his goal scoring was a low point of the season. Anyway, I think I've come to the end of my low points. <laughs> Ish. Hold on, we got one more, ladies and gentlemen. We, we got one. It's not a low point, it's a disappointment. Okay. It's a disappointment that we haven't seen Hernandez yes. this season. Yeah. You know, he started nine games in the Premier League, you know? That's not enough. Yeah, he's, you know, his t- second top goal scorer. He's got 18 in all competitions, you know, which is a fine return given that he's only started 22 games. And some absolutely crucial goals in amongst that lot as well. You know, so many points won by Chicharito goals. Uh, Yeah, I I agree with that one. I mean, I guess, listen, we can't realistically talk about low points of the season without the low point of the season. I mean, the Real Madrid game will live long in the memory because that atmosphere was just like absolutely nothing else. I mean, it, it feels like a game apart, you know. It feels like it happened in a different venue to where we normally play. There's only been two times this season that it's got anywhere near that level of atmosphere and one was in that game and the other was when the greatest manager of all time announced his retirement. So it was really very special, the the kind of return of Ronaldo and that there are so many United fans for whom that means so much. I mean, I don't think either of us are particularly in that camp, but you, you can't deny that it's a huge thing for so many United fans. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit confused though. You said the greatest manager of all time is retired. Paul Le Guin is retired. What? <laughs> Yeah, David Moyes, in fact, still still there. So the future greatest manager of all time has not yet retired. Yes, I mean, you're, you're right, yeah, in terms of season loads, that was a massive, massive load. Going into the game, I think we both predicted United were going to lose, and I wasn't very confident, and no one was really, because Real Madrid are Real Madrid, and, and uh, I don't think anyone really feels this is the greatest United side ever, but the performances were very creditable. You know, defended really well over in the Bernabeu, some spectacular saves from Big Dave, a very good last 20 minutes performance, great goal from Danny Welbeck, uh, and then took the game to, to Madrid's at Old Trafford. Played, played very, very well until the sending off, which was an unjust and bizarre sending off, and it completely changed the nature of the game, so it was it was very, very unlucky for United as a result, and that that's what makes it even lower, of course. With hindsight, we know that Ferguson had already decided to retire and hold the, the senior staff at United, and that's why he was so crushed. It was his last game in the European Cup, something that has been the holy grail for him one of the things that i think about that performance is what i really really hope is that some of those united players in their quieter more retrospective moments look at what it says about them as players the way they the team responded to the red card because the red card was awful and it was such a heightened atmosphere and the players were playing absolutely out of their skin so it's not surprising that something so shocking had such a big knock-on effect on all the players but they really lost it for a bit well, they lost it for about three months, but yeah, in the game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that, that's also true, of course. Yeah, so, you know, it took that red card took so much out of all the players, and I really hope that there's some honest analysis about that, and it's not all just put on, oh, what a terrible refereeing decision that was kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping it internally, yeah, there was some honest analysis. But I mean, pu- the public face, of course, was that United were unjustly uh, dumped out of the European Cup. Not that we could actually promise that United would have gone any further, particularly. Who, who knows? I mean, the path would have led to Dortmund in the semi-final, and maybe, or maybe not, very fine side. But it wasn't to be, and Ferguson's will end with a record of four European Cup finals in his, his 26 years at United, which I, I think is not too bad. I mean, I, I know compared to some of the greats, you might have hoped, given that how many good sides Ferguson had, that United might have done more than that. You know, two European Cup wins feels like a bit light uh, for Ferguson's massive era of success but four cup finals and a bunch of semi-finals and really only two failures total failures yeah is a pretty good record all in all absolutely and i think you know the comparisons are so unfair because he gets compared to paisley who picked up a side that was in its prime you know paisley built on phenomenal work that went before him whereas ferguson built the team from scratch he built the concept of european football for english teams again from scratch he spent the first period of his time in european competition really hamstrung by the three foreigner rule and how the nature of the relationship between Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, that had a kind of... Well, very damaging effect. Yeah, very damaging effect. Yeah, exactly. Disproportionately on, on United compared to their European rivals. Then in that last part where he built the team that was most effective in Europe of all the teams he ever built, the one that was most geared up to win in Europe, he came across the best club side in the last 50 years, or well, let's not say 50 years, but certainly 20, you know. Let's not forget three European Cup finals in four years. That's uh, that's pretty that's pretty good, yeah. And coming up against Barcelona during that period, it, it could have been a lot different. Uh, anyway, we we may overrun on the show this week. Fair enough. Last one of the season. But before we go, we absolutely must give out some of our awards because I know people have been waiting for these. I've been waiting all season to do this, Ed. This is my favourite bit of the season where we get to hand out gongs. Yeah. So we've got some gongs that we've decided. Uh, yep. This is separate from the website gongs, although this might give you clues to where we're going. <laughs> yeah, um, and and we've got some we've got some awards that people have tweeted in. Absolutely, um, and I think we're going to start with all the proper grown-up awards that we've invented. The Rankcast Manchester United Defender of the Season. I should say also, we're not necessarily going to come up with a definitive answer. There's, we, we get a gong each to hand out in this circumstance, don't we, Ed? We, we, yeah, of course we get a gong each, and, and we may have to give several gongs out if we can't decide, but, you know, that, that's just the way it rolls. My rank cast defender of the season is Raphael. I think he's had a, an outstanding season, and I, I, I 
It could have gone to Ferdinand because he's also had an outstanding season, but I just think the progress of the young man has been spectacular to see. Uh, unlucky not to win the PFA right back of the season, the team of the season came up against Zabaleta there. Uh, so Raphael for me. Rio gets a, a silver gong with the number five on it, and Raphael gets a bright, shiny gold gong with uh, curly hair on top because he's my defender of the season as well. It's just grown so much. And, I mean, you know, you do sometimes see players have one spectacular season and then fade, but I don't think that's him. I, it, to me, he's got all the... He's This is the season where everything that he's been building towards has come together. For the most part, he's got rid of the stupid mistakes out of his game. He's hardly pulled back a player all season which is wonderful he's, been, he's made such a fantastic contribution going forward when the right hand side's been really flat I mean you've you love seeing Raphael charging up the field but he's also phenomenal defensively and yeah I mean, Rio's had a really good season but, and, I, and I do love Rio but Raphael's my defender of the year now for the the most competitive awards this is going to be tough Ed midfielder of the season so my choice goes to anderson no <laughs> yeah no. well done anderson no 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 he he unfortunately was too busy at kfc in his third bucket so i've given it to michael carrick instead it's carrick you know I'm sure you can all believe we've given him this award. There's not really any discussion. I can't believe this. I, I strongly suspect the next gong uh, is going to go. I mean, let's wax lyrical about Michael Carrick for a bit, shall we? You, you may believe that he's not skulls because he hasn't got the shooting and his tackling is an awful lot better. But Carrick's all-round game is phenomenal. The the work he contributes to the defence with his shielding and filling in space and his distribution and recycling of possession. I remember you saying, when we all think that he had big 18-month dip in form or thereabouts, and I remember you saying that he suffered more than almost anyone else at Manchester United from the loss of Ronaldo because... He's so good at recycling possession, but he's restructured his game and we've we've built a slightly different sort of team again. And he is just absolutely vital, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, United couldn't have won the Premier League without him this season. I think that's how vital he's been. He's he's held that midfield together when there haven't been a rich a richness of resources there for Ferguson to use. So, yeah, I mean, his performances have been absolutely central to United getting the Premier League back. And to, there's not much more praise that you can give him than that, I think. Uh, really absolutely key character this season. Absolutely. And deservedly won Players Player of the Year, the unsung hero whose name has been sung more often than almost anyone else, uh, perhaps apart from Van Persie this season. Which brings us to the next topic where I'm sure there's going to be a striking disagreement on this one, Ed. The Manchester United Forward Player of the Season award goes to... Robin Van Persie. Oh, Robin Van Persie. What an acquisition. What a player. What a gift to MUTV and the PR machine of Manchester United and all the fans and a great testament that you probably should avoid just for men because Robin Van Persie is the best. Indeed. Why is he your choice, Ed? Well, mainly 30 reasons. Yeah. 30 goals is it's all good. 26 in the Premier League, which is an outstanding return for, for Van Persie, you know. And, and uh, again, absolutely key. Without Carrick and Van Persie, United could not have won the Premier League this season, you know. R- Rooney uh, suffered in part for all the reasons we've talked about, right? So his return wasn't anywhere near what it has been in, in the last couple of seasons. So Van Persie had to come and score those goals. Of course, we knew that he would. I, I guess you benchmark against expectations, don't you? And expect were very high because he's a senior pro experience came in for a lot of money you'd expect him to hit the ground running but he really has i think as we've said several times this season he's a much better player than we actually thought you saw him in bits and pieces for arsenal when united played them or when he caught a game on the tv or highlights of the match today or whatever it was you certainly didn't watch him in the kind of depth that we have at united and and wenger was right wenger said when he left that united will find out what a great player they've got world-class player he said and and he's all of that and a bit more 30 reasons, but all manner of different sorts of goals as well. Just goals that other players would not have scored, as well as like a really good poacher's instinct. But think back to that Southampton game, and he kind of penenkered that penalty, and it was so such a horrible decision, it went so horribly wrong. And then, and then, the legend of Robin Van Persie, the Manchester United player, was born, because he won the game with a hat-trick, and he just kept doing that all season long, didn't he? Defender, midfield, striker. We haven't done goalkeeper of the season. That's that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Big Dave, obviously. But but who's your player of the season? 
for all those 30 reasons, just for the smile, Michael Carrick's been wonderful. And I think the fact that the players player and fans player of the year was so perfectly split between them is just so incredibly appropriate. And, you know, I'm a fan and not a player, so I'm going with the fans player of the year, Robin Van Persie. You watch football because of the joy that it can give you. That's well, that's why I watch football. And the player that's given me the most joy in a Manchester United shirt this season has definitely been Robin Van Persie. Me too. So uh, that's it. That's the main gongs. Then we've got some more. Uh, we have to give away goal of the season. Now I think there's two key goals here that it could be, but we had a little chat about this the other day, didn't we, on the pod? So we kind of signposted this one already. But for me, it's Van Persie's uh, stupendous volley after Wayne Rooney's fantastic pass against Aston Villa it's the moment as well as the goal of course the game that won United the title I'm leaning the other way we've given gongs to the same people for every single one of these awards so far so I'm going I'm going for that West Ham United goal because that was quite the moment as well because it was he'd you know it was the game when when Musa Kwonga coined the nickname the wolf for Robin Van Persie because he just came on and sorted everything out and we knew he would and he did it in such spectacular style and we also said goal of the season that was not scored by Robin. Yeah, because because it was so clear that goal of the season was going to go to one of those two goals, we thought we'd open up a category for discussion whereby someone else gets an award for a goal because there's definitely a few candidates for this one. Where, which way have you gone, Ed? I'm not sure if it was the best goal, but it's the one I enjoyed the most, I think. It's uh, Shinji Kigawa rolling it in and giving the Norwich defence the eyes as four players go one way and the ball goes the other. I'm punching the air as you say that. That goal, that goal was a moment of pure footballing magic. You know, that's that's why we were all in it. I think honourable mention has to go to Rafael's Golazzo against QPR. Absolute storm of that strike as well. I, I'm not sure he'll ever do it again, although he's tried a couple of times, hasn't he? He has at least got close. He's definitely got it in his locker, as it were. But, you know, also a really distinct honourable mention for Rafael's goal against Liverpool, which was a, a real stunner as well. Very good. Save of the season for me was Big Dave's with the feet in the Bernabeu. Just, just crazy. It's about four feet off the ground. He flies across the flies across the turf with a complete wrong part of his body, but somehow managed to keep it out. And a, a great photo, of course. You know, a spectacular moment. I've just got in capital letters on my list Kung Fu Dave. Uh, so we've we've gone for the same one there. I mean, maybe it wasn't the best save of the season, but it was the, certainly the most kind of heart-stopping save of the season. I mean, I could just take a moment to have a conversation about De Gea's season because given where he started and even at the beginning of this season, Lindegaard got quite a few games up until that disastrous game at Reading, which he managed to repeat actually, didn't he, the other night? We didn't mention Lindegaard at West Brom, but pretty... Pretty ropey performance from Lindegaard, yeah. We know with Lindegaard he's a step below, which kind of makes it seem ridiculous that there was a competition for the spot at first. Ferguson rotated them last season and looked like he was going to do it per game this season for a while. Lindegaard got quite a few games at the beginning of the season. Actually ended up with 10 Premier League starts this season. The gulf in quality between the two of them. Lindegaard is by no means a good, a bad keeper. You know, he, he would be a perfectly decent Premier League goalkeeper for many teams in the league but David De Gea is going to be in the top three goalkeepers in the world for his entire career. He's grown, he's looked more confident, he's commanding, he's filled out physically. There have been very few glaring errors. He got blamed for a goal at Tottenham, didn't he? Which I thought was harsh, given that Nemanja Vidic tried to headbutt him. But he's just got a really, really solid game, plus the penchant for the spectacular as well. You know, he can do it. And there are times where he's saved shots that he has no right to save, and the strikers followed up and scored. If he was a keeper not quite as good, he'd probably found the corner of the net. I'm really excited for next season and he's also in with a shot at Chant of the Year. A very, very late entry into into that, but we'll, we'll come to Chant of the Year later. That's the big award, of course. That's what everyone wants to win. The MUFC underscore Facebook sponsored Zop Zop, a.k.a. United Player Tweet of the Year. Various different people suggesting this as a category at bifurcated underscore MUFC and also at Dodd1984. Absolutely. Uh, the Welbs is that guy award, it could be called. Yeah, I mean, listen, for me, there's two potential candidates to win this award. One is the greatest of all Man United-related tweeters, the man who originated Dubs Up, and also when when Welbeck scored in the Bernabeu, it was a magical moment, made all the more magical by Ravel Morrison tweeting, Welbs is that guy. (laughs) I mean, just brilliant, beautiful. 
But my other favourite, a late entry, at Carras16, he's got himself involved in the Twitter action and just immediately started acting like a fan, tweeting a Skulls poster with a bunch of quotes on it with a little copyright Carrick 2013, making me think he put it together himself in Microsoft Publisher. All right, best-headed goal by a defender. I can't remember who it was against or who put the assist in or anything, but I can remember the look of joy on Patrice Evra's face. Brilliant bit of the season when every week either Johnny Evans or Patrice Evra scored off a Robin Van Persie corner. Well, yeah, four goals for Evans and four for Evra this season. Four for Evra. I think all of them were with his head as well, which is crazy, all kinds of craziness. The guy's about two foot tall. Stopped growing when he was three and, and he's out jumping defenders. Wasn't there one where he smashed it in though? Because he was starting to get scared of Alex Putner, um, so he had to he had to score. I think he I think one was with his feet, but yeah, yeah. Very good return for Evra this season, both goals and assists. And and um, didn't mention it earlier, but a, a very good return to form as well. I think this season has been better than his last two. Most underrated season at Toby Coughlin. United rant writer extraordinaire, Toby Coughlin. I really enjoy his stuff. I I would suggest that, in fact, Patrice has probably had the most underrated season in the United shirt. I think that's a good shout. That's a good shout, yeah. He's performed really, really well. I I think talk of Leighton Baines coming in, I mean, Leighton Baines being 28 and and the fee in excess of 15 million, doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you think you can get at least another good season out of Evera, maybe two. He was the only player singing Are You Watching Merseyside with the fans at the uh, celebrations in Albert Square. And also there was that thing where he bit the pretend hand. So, you know, good season all round. Best celebration of the year? Uh, I don't know. I think it's got to be Robin Van Persie against City for me. Just the joy, the running around, the kind of wheeling away, just almost not knowing which way to go for a second, looking for our fans. There was, I'll think I'll have a shot. Yes. Then it hits the back of the net. Then uh, Robin goes mental and so do all the fans. Got an, have you got an alternative best celebration of the season? Well, I think it's also Robin as well, isn't it? Against Villa when he, he went slightly crazy as well and sprinted around the pitch. Don't like Chicharito holding up the sea at all. I just, it just, it looks forced. I don't like it. Remember when he came, his first season, he never celebrated with a kind of like, yes! it was always just like a pure, happy kind of kid scoring a goal joy. But he's got a bit more serious in his celebrations. I'm not sure I like it. I don't like the whole, let's hold up a heart, let's rock a baby, let's do something kind of choreographed. You want a bit of passion there. You want to find the balance between doing that kind of nonsense and holding your hand up, Shearer style, because that's it's lame, obviously. Except when Giggs does it, because he just looks cool. The John O'Shea Versatility Award, says Act Jack Holt. So for me, this is an interesting one. I think Rooney gets it because he's played up front, he's played on the left wing, he's played on the right wing, he's played in the hole, he's played in central midfield. One game I saw him filling in at left back, not for a long time. But of course the position he's made his own this season is on the bench, warming it. I'm not giving Rooney any awards because he's handed in too many transfer requests. In fact, the at Jack K. Holt John O'Shea versatility award of the season for me goes to Phil Jones. Phil Jones! Perhaps we should give away the Steven Gerrard Transfer Request Award. <laughs> RA lad. It goes to RA lad uh, for, to the White Pele. And talking to the White Pele, the hashtag Good Hairs Award, uh, the at White Pele 10 category. Best Manchester United haircut of the season. Now, this is quite tough. But for me, I'm a sucker for a classic and I'm a sucker for a silver fox. So the boy Robin is walking away with yet more silverware. Yeah, I'm quite liking Henderson's afro. It does put a couple of pounds on him, and he doesn't carry it well. But, but yeah, it's, it's looking pretty good at the moment. I'm pretty sure physics-wise, an afro is not heavier than cornrows. I think, I'm sure that just weighs the same amount. No, no, it captures the air. Oh, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, more drag. That's true. That is true. But honourable mention, very, very honourable mention to David De Gea's ridiculous quiff. Yeah, and I think we should give a award as well for shirt screw-up of the season for Anders Ron. Ah, Anders Ron, Ron, Ron. Yeah, Albert Morgan's least fine hour. The best shirt screw-up since David Beckham lost a H all those years ago. Anders Ron. Way better as well, because Anders Ron sounds different, and David Beckham without an H is just Beckham. It sounds the same. Former player most frequently interviewed following Fergie and Scholes' retirement announcement award from at that Steve Gray. Lou Macari, surely. He's, he's on every, everyone going, isn't he? And Gary Pallister and Andy Cole. And Dwight York, 
He, he does a lot of live TV. Yeah, he's been on a bit. Yeah, Sammy Mack. I think all of these are fine shouts, but the, the winners holding up the trophy together are Dwight York and Big Peter Schmeichel. The ridiculous Manchester United revisionism of the season award goes to Peter Schmeichel, the man who celebrated Man City goals in front of the Stretford end like he'd just scored the winner in the European Cup final himself. Now just it's all we and us and, you know, he's completely written off a chunk of his life. I haven't forgotten, Pete. <laughs> nope, absolutely not. Best Tom Cleverley lookalike of the season at Craig English 92. Obviously, the award goes to Alex Booner, but honourable mention to Wayne Rooney because from a certain camera angle, when they've got their hair the same way, all three of them are quite difficult to differentiate. Interesting. Yeah, no, I I think Butner gets it. A bit slimmer in the face and everywhere else than Rooney as well. The Atlee's Worsley Award for game that you enjoyed most this season. Tough one. I mean, I suppose it's the Derby victory, isn't it? Last minute goal and all of that. Yeah, that's definitely it for me. Also enjoyed us beating Liverpool as well this season in a way that I'm not normally that bothered about. But they've really been horrible to everyone. Ever. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Particularly black people and Serbs. Yeah, quite flipping love to that Derby victory. It felt like it felt absolutely magic. And an honourable mention. It's a few different honourable mentions. Obviously, the Villa game where we won the league was incredibly enjoyable. And the game against Norwich, which was a weird sort of not that very good game. But the last 15 minutes where Kagawa scored a hat-trick and Rooney scored an absolute worldie. They, they really, really, really enjoyed that best assist of the season or this almost should have been an official award shouldn't it for me ryan Giggs on the half volley to robin van Persie at west ham 60 yards or so that ball covered and to to do it on the full like that was uh, quite spectacular that was wonderful as was rooney's assist for the van Persie. i mean van Persie giving immense credit to rooney for that assist uh, for the villa goal uh, but my choice is carrick against newcastle for chicharito in the 4-3 where he just he just put the ball on a sixpence and like half the team ran to chicharito and half the ball ran half the team ran to carrick and that was kind of the it's carrick you know you'll never leave it's not skulls moment in a way one one last award who stuck it to the critics bestest award so which player who kind of got it in the neck from the critics uh, and ended up sticking it to him? Raphael, Rio, Evra. And my, my choice for that award, David De Gea, for sure. Funny that Patrick Barkley has been rather silent on the topic, despite much goading from thousands of United fans. Uh, just keep at it, I say, all summer until he finally admits that he was wrong. And talking of the summer, we are about to leave you for two and a half months uh, of rank cast free zones. No international tournament for us to talk about this season. Well, there are the Euro under-21s. There are, but yeah, least said, soonest mended and all that. Two United players playing, David Gea for Spain. And I think it's the last uh, age group tournament that he plays in. And Wilfred Zaha. Uh, Cross a United player since January and, and on loan at Crystal Palace and we'll see him next season, that'll be exciting but if you want to check him out a bit more, you can see him in the Euro Under-21s I can't believe I nearly forgot my favourite category in all of the Rankcast Awards, Ed, it's the Chant of the Season Award uh, I think we know your favourites, so I'll, I'll just leave it to you, shall I? There, there's a few, right, there's a few, first of all I think we have to give a few really significant late season honourable mentions He's big, he's brave, he's Spanish Dave, he makes great saves he never shaves, flying through the air, come and have a shot if you dare, magic fantastic David Day chant love it and of course the West Brom game was lit up with come on David Moyes play like the Fergie boys we'll go wild 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 absolutely brilliant and it's funny because not even the manager yet already got a better chant than any other manager anywhere in the world as far as I'm concerned yeah well it helps when your name rhymes with a few things doesn't it it does nice touch of class there from United fans you know whatever you think about the new man he's going to get significant support from the United crowd you know and that's that's right only right Yeah, and talking of significant support from the United crowd, even though it's the most simple, basic, ripped-off chant in the world, Oh Robin Van Persie has become associated with a kind of Pavlovian joy in my heart now. So it's just like, it's just beautiful when it happens. And talking of joy in my heart, 20 times, 20 times Man United has been ringing around my head for the last month. But the winner, unquestionably, of Chant of the Season 2012-2013. Oh, 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 it's Carrick, you know. 
It's hard to believe it's not skulls. It's a good job auto-tune isn't on a paper play, isn't it? Because I'd be broke by now. Every single one of those was in perfect tune. No, it wasn't. Press the button. (laughs) Tune. (laughs) You can question the quality, but you can't question the tuning. Very good. So, on to the summer ahead. What what can we look forward to, Paul? Because there's no football um, until United go on their ridiculous tour of uh, Hong Kong and Australia and uh, some outpost in China. So, we don't get another game until August the 16th, I think, which is the Charity Shield against Wigan. I'm not paying any attention to football this summer. I'll be away from Twitter, away from the blogs and websites and not doing the podcast. I really like the summer break. I know that makes me unusual because people miss it. But actually, frankly, it's nice to just get your head out of football for a bit and think about the other things in the world that are important. I'm not going to be following the transfer gossip until a player has got a scarf in the air and is standing next. I was just about to say standing next to Fergie, but with a tear in the eye, I can't say that. Till a player is standing next to David Moyes with a Man United scarf in the air. I'm not interested in whether we may or may not be about to sign someone. One last bit of transfer speculation before the madness really starts. Obviously, Zaha's coming. Is Rooney going to be a Manchester United player when we next do a rank cast? So, so my bet is no. Okay. So that's what I'm going to guess. I'm okay. Going to, I'm going to say no. I think he's gone. I think United are looking for a replacement. There's, there's some there's some politics here. It's, it's whether United can get Lewandowski or not. There's a little bit of chicken and egg. Getting Lewandowski is reliant on Rooney going. And Rooney going might be reliant on the club feeling confident that they can secure Lewandowski. So I think Rooney will go. I'm not sure about Lewandowski. So, you know, at the risk of contradicting myself, um, there is a risk there, of course. But it just doesn't feel like there's any hope for Rooney. I don't know about any hope, but I, I, to me, it feels like 70-30 that he's not going to be here. I think having done it once, you know, should fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, elsewhere, United clearly need another central midfielder, and not least because Scholes and Fletcher aren't out, so there's, are out. Um, Scholes retired, Fletcher I can't see coming back, so there's two men down. But there's still a, a strong chance that Anderson will go. I mean, there is interest from Brazil and, and Portugal, where he still has a good reputation. The new man might like him, but I, he can't have seen much evidence for that, of course, over six years. And there's a question mark about whether United still need to strengthen uh, in wide areas, even though Zaha's coming, because the wide players had such poor seasons so won the league by 11 points but still need to strengthen if United are going to have a crack at the European Cup thing is you have to imagine the league is going to be an awful lot tougher next season as well City I'm sure will spend I'm sure they'll spend on senior players rather than youngsters as they did last summer Chelsea look like they'll spend massively and, and certainly Mourinho will demand that. Arsenal have a large budget, it seems. And and I guess Spurs and Liverpool will each be wanting to get back into the top four. So I think it will be very, very competitive next season. And of course, that means that in order to move forward, United probably do need to strengthen in areas where there's been weakness. There's not huge weakness, clearly. The club's done very well domestically. If we want to kick on a little bit and, and perhaps keep up with rivals in Europe, given that, that Bayern are strengthening significantly as well over the summer, then, then United probably have to do the same too. You say there aren't huge weaknesses, but of course there are huge weaknesses in central midfield now. If Cleverly doesn't come good, if Anderson doesn't magically become the player that some people are holding out, this beautiful but painful to see hope in Anderson. I mean, I, one one thing that's interesting, I think, is is Anderson and Nani. Which of those do you think is going to be at United at the beginning of next season? Do you think they'll both go? Yeah, I'm less sure about Nanny. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure about Anderson either. I mean, I would uh, I would put a 7 out of 10 chance on both of them going. But of course, you know, the new man changes it somewhat, doesn't it? Because he, he, he may want to not shift around that many players this summer. You know, that would make a lot of sense from a new man coming in. You, if you make five changes in the squad or team because you want to strengthen and need to lose some players as a result, then then that's quite a loss of continuity, isn't it? We really are not big on transfer speculation, but this is our one opportunity to really speculate who are the players that will be coming into Manchester United this summer. Because to me, it doesn't seem that there's any anyone out there that's being presented as a done deal. No, I think we know why. Because Ferguson has been planning his retirement since February. The, the club has certainly got targets. Mo- Moyes will, I presume, have a say in these now. He's the new man. It'll be a a completely new executive team and a new management team, so that may delay things somewhat. 
My wild speculation, not so wild. I think we are very likely to bring in Fellaini. I, I don't know whether I think that's a good thing or not, but I think that it it's, seems like a very glazonomics sort of a signing. Yeah, I don't see him fitting at United, but, you know, we'll see. Well, maybe, maybe that'll happen. I think my, my last bit of speculation will just be that we're not going to sign Gareth Bale or Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat the hat that I had to rebuy if we sign either of those. I don't think so. And one last thing before we go, Brian Greenhoff, former United defender, died this week suddenly. And uh, I had the opportunity to speak to him at, at quite a length last year. And that, that was really nice and an interesting man. He passed away at age 60. Doesn't seem old enough. A real sad loss to the United community because he was such a huge part of uh, the United fun community you know he was involved with the the lads from talk of the devils on and appeared on their podcast numerous times and you know very active on twitter and and clearly a united fan through and through sort of saw it as a, a real honor to have played for the club and from all accounts a really sort of dedicated committed family man as well so definitely a sad loss and our thoughts are with those of you out there that knew and loved him that's it for the season. Thanks for being with us. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to abuse us on Twitter, you can <laughs> at UT Rankcast or at United Rant for me. We are on Facebook uh, occasionally, facebook.com forward slash United Rant. But it's been a pleasure, Paul. It is literally always a pleasure every week doing this. It kind of, it gets to be a bit of a chore to arrange it and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, lives are complex and getting it fitted in is not always straightforward. But the actual sitting down and and talking to you about Manchester United is one of the great pleasures of my life, Ed. So uh, thank you very much. And to everybody that's tweeted at us, everyone that's left a review on iTunes, those of you kind enough to donate to cover the cost of hosting this show, which is downloaded by a number of people, that seems ridiculous to me, and certainly didn't ever think it would get to be to be like this, so thank you so so much for listening, it's really really cool to get an opportunity to do this and um, I'm really glad you enjoy our, whatever it is this is Very good, and we will see you in August absolutely Uh, have a really good summer everyone and enjoy the break from football uh, because you know there's many other things that life has to offer and this time next season we'll be celebrating with come on David Moyes play like the Fergie boys we'll go wild wild wild